Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's fitness programs and I've been in business since 1994. That is a long time. Today's podcast is on mental toughness. I got this idea when out on a training ride over the weekend and I started thinking about how important it is and I could teach what I know about mental toughness. Before I get into that, let's talk about some mentally tough real estate agents, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group of Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and they are actual great, great, great at what they do. And uh, really, if you need somebody to help you sell your home or you're looking for something new, give them a shout. They are very, very outstanding in what they do. I will put all of their information in the show notes. All right, so let's talk about mentally tough. All right, what does that really mean? I pulled up a few definitions simply on Google right now, and then I'm going to give you like what I used to teach the students. All right. So one definition says it's a quality of mind or intellect characteristics by, among other things, a refusal to be intimidated, a determination to finish a contest or event, even when things are going badly, an ability to control your emotions and remain highly focused when under the pressure of intense competition. So... One profile we used to use in sports psychology was called the iceberg profile. And basically that means the person's supposed to remain kind of like the iceberg. All right. Like unbreakable, stoic, stellar in what they're doing. These are great standards to live up to and very hard, which is why mental toughness is actually taught. So let's first talk a little bit about that. Is mental toughness innate or is it learned? Most experts believe that like all things in psychology, it's learned. It's learned through a series of events, a series of reinforcements, the need to get better at something. And so for the most part, we believe that mental toughness is learned and therefore can be taught. And I can tell you as a coach, trainer, teacher, father, all of these things, mental toughness or psychology is equally, if not superior to the physiological characteristics that we measure in athletes, students, trainees. It is critical. I have said it, I don't know how many times I would rather have the athlete that is fully engaged, mentally tough, prepared, and motivated over the superior superior physicality of a person without the mental toughness and or motivation to be their very best. I absolutely 100% will buy into that and say that it is true. All right. So we have to stress the importance of mental toughness. We have to understand that this is something that 
we need to develop, not only as an athlete, but I believe as a person. And we should really make it a priority. All right. So let me give you some, for instances, of mental toughness. All right. So let's, I was out on the bike and I was training with a client who was on the bike. And if you've ever done long rides, a lot of things get in the way that are, you know, that get in the way of you finishing or whatever you're trying to do. Let's say you're racing for a certain time. Okay. There are things that get in the way of that. Let's say that you are going for a certain distance, like you've never ridden, say, a century ride, which is 100 miles before. Maybe you've never ridden 10 miles before. There are going to be, there are going to be things that are going to get in your way that are going to be obstacles that you have to work through if you want to get to your destination. That is where mental toughness comes in. Some things are physiological. That's not what I'm talking about. For example, low blood sugar would be an example of something physiological that gets in the way that needs to be prevented and needs to be uh, found a solution for. That's physiological. Boredom is psychological. All right. Some discomfort we're going to have no matter what we do. Some discomfort is absolutely a normal response to activity and exercise. If it was easy, everybody would do it. So we need mental toughness to get around those obstacles. So I was out on the trail kind of riding along the um, 50 miler that I had an athlete doing over the weekend. So I wanted to ride the course get in a workout and be the, be out there in support of the athlete that was running it. And then I had another client athlete that was doing the shorter event, which was a 17 K. So I wanted to be out there and I've been really in the cycling lately. It was a good excuse to put in some long miles. So when I'm out there, all of those things, you know, well, the physiological are easier to control. I didn't have low blood sugar because I made sure that I had a little snack prior to starting like an hour before. I also had some glucose with me. I had some hydration with me. So I was prepared that way. So I didn't have low blood sugar. I was or am adequately trained on the bike. So I wasn't going to deal with physiological issues. But like everybody, I'm going to deal with psychological issues that come along the way. All right. So the first one would be it was very cold when I started, almost 40 degrees, maybe barely over that. And on a bike, that's pretty cold. But I also knew I was going 50 miles and I was doing a straight shot. So it's not like I could, um, you know, have a place to put my clothes or whatever. So I had to dress in layers and then be able to move my heavier shirt into my jersey bike pocket because once I get warm, I wanted to be able to obviously not throw my jacket away. All right, so those are like the first psychological barriers. So when I'm cold, I'm not very happy. But, you know, the old saying goes, it's not going to kill you. But it's uncomfortable, all right? Not dangerously uncomfortable, just uncomfortable. So I have to say, all right, what's my first step towards mental toughness? All right, so I'm going to work through these and then teach you the acronym we like to use. It's called COPE, C-O-P, 
P-E, all right? The C stands for control. Like, what do you have control over, all right? The O stands for organize. Was I organized? Am I staying organized in my thoughts? The next one is plan. Did I have a plan of attack? And do I have a plan if and when things don't go my way? And then finally, execute. The E is for execute, okay? Have to work the plan, so to say. So with the cold, I had a plan. I was organized. I had a jacket that went over my long sleeve bike jersey, and then I could take the jacket off at some point and stuff it into the pocket of a bike jersey because that's what it's made for. Now, having that plan is part of being mentally tough because mentally tough people, which again is learned, don't want to quit. They don't want to not finish. Sometimes people actually want excuses so they can not be prepared and then say, well, it was simply too cold, so I bailed at a certain point. It's like, well, yeah, but you know, it wasn't that cold and you could have planned accordingly. So they didn't necessarily want to really complete the task. Mentally tough people say, well, this is doable. I want to do it, so I want to make sure that I have a plan going into it. All right, so that's the first part. And then I have to control what I can control, which in large part is, believe it or not, my thinking. So within the first two miles, I'm thinking, man, this is cold. And if you know me, you know I don't like the cold, especially on the bike very much. I'm very much a sissy when it comes to that. So I was thinking, oh man, this is cold. But what do mentally tough people do or what do I teach people to do that I can fall back on? I tell myself, this isn't going to be forever. I imagine because I know I'm able to project into the future and say in an hour or so, the sun's going to be out and it's going to feel really, really nice. Or when I get up into this ride at about three miles, because I know the course so well, I know I'm getting out of the woods, so to say, literally, and there's going to be sun beaming down on the sidewalk. So Mentally tough people, one skill you practice and you have to practice and do it is say this isn't forever. And then you suck it up literally until that time comes when you get to the open sidewalk, in my case, where I knew it was going to be warmer, complaining about it while I was cold, fidgeting in my seat, doing all these things other than speeding up, which is normal because you want to raise your body temperature is pointless. It just shows weakness. It's not mentally tough. That's being mentally weak. When you give into it, like you're going to be there anyway. So you might as well suck it up, so to say, but you have to practice sucking it up. This is not a skill that you just know to do. Now, people that have never been there, I kind of get it. But if you've been coached, if you've been trained, if you've been taught, if you've done it, you have to fall back on this because then you can expand that even further. You can go longer with how willing you are to be uncomfortable. There's a lot of people nowadays, and I follow a podcaster by the name of Ryan Holiday, and um, I enjoy a lot of his things. And he always talks about the beauty of taking cold showers or cold ice baths. It's like, for me, that's really, really hard. But the point is, 
you know, they start at like 20 seconds and then 30 seconds and then they take it out to be a few minutes or whatever. But the point is you learn to push that just a little bit further to the best of your ability without complaint, without fidgeting, without any of those things. You just push it and then you learn, I can be uncomfortable. Mentally tough people learn they can be uncomfortable. They don't have to reach for the next thing to improve their comfort levels. They know it's not forever. And the best thing they can do is stay focused on the task at hand. Because if you're fidgeting around in your bike seat, if you're doing all these different types of things like checking the temperature and then putting your phone back or, you know, all these things, all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. You're taking away from the actual ride. And if you're in a race, you're taking away from your performance. So really, it's about telling yourself this isn't forever. I'm going to gut through this, so to say. But you give yourself one of the things mentally tough people do. And these are one of the skills is you give yourself the interval that you're going to do it for. When I worked with this person the other day, this was a different day I rode. This was Sunday when I worked with an athlete on the bike to help her with their, with their physical side of cycling, but also her mental toughness. I kept saying, this is your meditation for now because she can get very uncomfortable very quick and she really suffers with a lot of boredom. And boredom can be like really bad if you're in endurance sports and she's training for a marathon. So I was trying to tell her, look, what you experience now you're going to do when you run. So each mile or so, I would give her a different interval to focus on. So when we try to build our mental toughness, we do it for intervals, meaning we don't tell ourselves, for this entire ride, I'm not going to get distracted. That's impossible. You're going to get distracted. Instead, you tell yourself for a certain segment, I'm going to focus on this. And it is a lot like meditation. If your mind drifts, you bring it back. Okay. So then for me going back, so the coldness was worked through. And just like I knew from experience, there would come a point where I was no longer cold and it really starts to feel good. Well, what's another thing that comes up that gets in the way of the finish line? Well, if you bike a lot of miles and stuff, it's boredom. And it's not always boredom to the extent of, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. No, I don't feel that way. I, I actually get a lot of peace out on long bike rides. I get a lot of serenity. I get a lot of meditation. I, I enjoy it personally. Um, but you do get like bored to the point of, well, this is the same old, same old scenery at the same old, same old pace. And let me mix this up a little bit. Okay, so if you're not mentally tough and you're out on a long, easy, what we call LSD, long, slow distance bike ride, physiologically, those rides are supposed to be steady state. Like you're supposed to be going at a lower intensity for a long period of time. If you get really bored, which we all do, and then we have to learn how to work through it, right? And again, the boredom isn't awful. It's just the sense of, wow, I would rather be doing intervals of this and intervals of that, meaning physical intervals, picking up speed here because you're getting bored going the same old, you know, steady miles per hour, whatever you're doing. Mentally untough people might listen to that and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to jump in with these faster cyclists that just went by me or, you know, I'm going to mix this up or I'm going to change my program today, my ride. Well, okay. I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world for you physically unless it cut into your recovery time because you're going too hard. 
But I would say that you're training your brain in that case in the wrong direction. You're training it to go ahead and go with any whim that comes up. So instead, and that would happen with me, I'd be cruising along and I was on my gravel bike and uh, it's, I love it. It's, it's great. It can go off road. It can go on road, but you know, they're, they're not the fastest bikes on pavement, but they're pretty darn good. In my opinion, they're great all around. So I was probably cruising at like 16 or 17 miles an hour or so, which isn't bad, but I'm thinking, ah, you know, maybe I'll, you know, I'm getting kind of bored. I'll pick this up a little bit and see what I got for a few miles. And it's like, no, Rob, don't, don't do that because now I'm coaching myself. It's just like, just get through this interval. So for me, a way to build that mental toughness. So, you know, first off is understanding to not give into it. You can't give in to something just because you're bored. All right. That's the point. I really want to hit home on that. That building mental toughness is not giving into it just because you're bored. Now, if there's a reason to go faster, for example, I've seen them out there. A huge crocodile jumps out in the middle of the trail and startles me. And, you know, of course, they're going to leave you alone if you get by them. But, you know, obviously you're going to see that here and there. All right. You speed up. All right. That's a good reason to go faster. But if you're saying, I want to go faster because I'm bored and I know I have another two hours of riding left and this is getting really boring staying at the same speed, same direction, same trail. You tell yourself, I'm building mental endurance. I'm going to ride this out, literally. And so for me, when I reached that point, pretty much after I started on this particular Saturday, and every ride is different, but after I started kind of like riding past all of the people doing the 50 mile run, you know, that was, that kept me mentally engaged real, really well for a while. It's like, Oh, there's, you know, there's Tara. Hey Tara, you know, Hey, there's so-and-so hello. Or people I don't know, just trying to, you know, pick them up or whatever. Um, not literally, I meant like pick up their motivation, <laughs> tell them good job, you know, way to go, this type of thing. And then you, you kind of reach a point where they're, there isn't anybody for a long time. And then I say, all right, so how am I going to entertain myself? So for me, it's, it's like literally breaking it up into intervals, you know, not fidgeting. I, I have to stress that a lot. It's like I watch people who get really bored. They start like moving around in their saddle a lot. They start getting antsy. They start checking their phone. Yes, people check their phone when they bike. Um, they start focusing on their um, watch too much or, or, or whatever. Looking around is great, whatever, but... You know, you can just tell they're fidgety. I can get fidgety. So instead I'd say, nope, you know what? For this next, um, say, five miles or whatever, I'm going to really focus on nice, good, circular pedal strokes for this five miles. And then I would get through that. And I'd say, oh, you know, that, you know, of course, mind drifts, like any meditation, I'd find out or find that I was not going through the pedal strokes and then I would bring it back to the pedal strokes, just like you would in meditation. But you get through it. And then you come up with another interval or meditation after that. Like it could be focusing on cadence going a little bit faster. Um, it could be, you know, planning when you're going to take a sip of water, you know, which for me, it was every, say, 20 minutes. I was going to grab a nice six ounces of my fuel that I had with me. The point is, is that training ourselves to be more mentally tough. We have to follow that COPE acronym. 
and we have to execute our plan. We have to have a plan because things are going to get in the way. We are going to get uncomfortable. And that's the biggest thing with mental toughness. We're going to get uncomfortable. And if we get uncomfortable and we allow it to seep into our consciousness too much, then we're going to literally take the pedal off the metal, right? We're going to quit the nice circular pedal strokes we're making, or we're going to not have the nice cadence. Our mind is going to drift. And on the bike, it happens so easily. When I work with this particular person I was describing a little bit ago, I'll notice that when they start to like defocus a little bit, their speed might go down a half a mile an hour. So rather than be at that nice steady rate, it goes from whatever they're at to like a little bit lower. And I'll say, hey, focus. And then all of a sudden it comes up. So it wasn't like they were slacking in their effort. They were slacking in their focus. Running's a little different because when you run, you're kind of like almost always at your peak level of run. But cycling, you can go really easy and really fast. And in the mind, the focus is going to control that. So I'm really just using cycling as an example, but it's true for everything. All right. So now let's kind of finish this up by talking a little bit about what happens in the gym. I like to use all of the physical things I do to build my mental toughness because I know that if I allow my brain to wander, if I give in to discomfort of any kind, whether it be boredom, soreness, burning, um, fatigue, whatever, any of those things that are going to happen because they're a normal part of a workout. If I give into them, all right, I'm probably going to give into them in real life as well, right? If like I'm doing a set of leg extensions, which I did this morning, I did leg extensions today. I did other things too, but leg extensions, I think everybody knows can be really hard. And I did five sets of 10, which is, you know, hard work. And that for me can be boring because it's the same stimulus over and over. Now, if I give into that, if I say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on this set. I'm going to blow out this one set of 10 and then the next set, I'll pick it back up. Well, then I'm going to do that somewhere else, right? If I'm going to do that, then I'm going to stay like defocused when I'm driving or when I'm writing or when I'm making this podcast, right? If I always give in to that in a workout, I'm most likely going to give into it in other areas of my life. So I like to use training as a way to build that mental toughness. So when I do any strength training, that's why I like to do it, prefer to do it, almost have to do it alone before clients or anybody else gets here. I don't want distractions. I take my training very serious because I love it. I think it's a lifesaver for me. It's very, very important to me. All right. I am the opposite of a checklister when I work out, meaning I don't just go, oh, you know, a set of 10. All right. Let me knock those out go to the next exercise. No, that is not how I think whatsoever. And it really, really irritates me when other people do. So I think, all right, so back to leg extensions, doing uh, five sets of 10, 100 pounds and warmed up, good, ready to go. It's like, okay, so squeeze, bring it down every rep. If I find myself thinking about what my next exercise is, I bring it back because I have to stay focused on this current set. If I tell myself, oh, this is too heavy, 
I ignore that thought and I keep going through the range of motion that I'm supposed to be going to through. So I use every set as an opportunity to build mental toughness. Now in my case, pretty good at fighting through the physical discomfort, but like my weakness is boredom. So for me, it's like, well, I don't feel like doing this. I'd rather do something more exciting. Well, then I'm not being very objective and maybe not doing what's best for my body. So in my case, I say, no, stick to the plan you wrote out for yourself. Stick to the plan. Now, if I don't stick to it, then I'm reinforcing a bad habit. And then I'm probably going to do that somewhere else. If I stick to it, I'm training myself to stick to it in the gym. And then I'll stick to things outside of the gym. All right. So to wrap up mentally, mental toughness is critical. I will take it over, say, uh, physical ability any day of the week as far as athletes go and students go. It's critical. It absolutely is a learned phenomenon, which means we can teach it. We are going to go in the direction of how we're taught. So if we constantly give into discomfort, if we constantly give into boredom, we are training ourselves to be mentally weak instead of mentally strong or tough. If we fight through things by using different skills like thinking about like doing something just for a short period of time, what I call an interval or a meditation, then we are making ourselves tougher. All right. And remember the COPE acronym, control what you can, control what you can, right? There are certain things you can control. You can't control the weather, whether it's going to be hot or cold, but you can control whether or not you have the appropriate gear on. You can organize and say, kind of like I did with the ride, okay, there's parts of this that's going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to want to give in. So I can't control the weather, but I can control what I wear. So I'm going to organize like what type of jacket works and will it fit in my bike jersey, right? So I can control and organize. I can plan. So I know it's going to be like a three hour ride. I can plan to have the proper nutrition and I can plan to have what I need with me. And then I have to execute because things are going to come up. I have to fall back on the plan. I say it all the time. Don't let the tail wag the dog. Don't wait for the emotions and the thinking to all of a sudden change what you're going to do. Instead, have a response built in for the things that you know you're going to anticipate, whatever that might be. Everybody's different. All right. Speaking of organizing, you need to organize an appointment to chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos, because she is phenomenal. She's great and she's a complete wellness chiropractor, does all different kinds of modalities. She's in Ormond Beach. She's located on Granada and she is a graduate of Palmer right here in Daytona Beach, which is one of the best chiropractic schools. And like all of our sponsors, I will put her information in the show notes. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.